Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another exciting uh, episode of What's the Plan, Monterey? Um, I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County at Express. We can help you find great people for your business. And uh, of course, we comply with all federal and state laws when we do it. Um, and uh, for on the on the show today, I have Mr. Mark Carbonero, uh, my favorite co-host and uh, guest, as always. And we're going to be discussing the local news. But uh, let me say a little bit more about Express. Call us 831-920-1857 or... You can just Google Express Employment Monterey and all that information will come up. And then this uh, show is also in podcast form. You can go to what's the plan monterey.com and listen to all of our episodes there. Mark, what's what's happening? How are you Man, doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you very much, Paul. You know, there's plenty going on that we can we can touch on. So a little bit of national news that might affect us locally. Plenty of juicy local stuff to talk about too. So we might as well just dive right in. Um, on a national note. I- I, I did want to say real quick mm-hmm. that uh, Joby Aviation, they're getting sued uh, over label, labor uh, a labor law thing. Uh, let's see, it's a, a class action lawsuit because of labor violations. And I want to say, if you want to avoid that with your business, call us at Express Employment <laughs> Professionals. I just want to weave that in there. Joby Aviation, great company. They're uh, they're doing the, this the flying car company up there by Marina Airport. They, and, they uh, should have who knows if you. there's. Yeah, they should have called me, and if they had been using our services, maybe they could have avoided this lawsuit. Who knows? But who knows if there's any validity to it? I'm not. I'm not taking sides. I just okay. thought it was funny and a great way to segue uh, between businesses. But go ahead with the uh, tax. I think you want to talk about <clears throat> the IRS, right? Yes. Yeah, so with this um, anti-inflation act, which <laughs> is a contradiction in terms, that was signed into law by the president recently. Um, one provision in it is for uh, hiring 87,000 new federal employees, all working for the IRS. And uh, I, I don't see how growing the size of government is anti-inflationary. But anyway, uh, what they're saying, and by the way, this would double the size of the workforce of the IRS. And these people would be auditors, right? So one of the things about that is that the claim is, well, there's plenty of people out there. The government's claim is, in justifying this, is that there are lots of people out there making more than four hundred grand a year that aren't paying their fair share, and we, we got to get them, okay? But as many taxpayer advocacy groups have pointed out that the IRS has plenty of personnel to go after those folks that are making more than four hundred grand, and in reality, they are going to be going after people making less than four hundred thousand, and probably going after a lot of people making less than one hundred and fifty or one hundred thousand dollars a year, particularly small businesses, and uh, and and a lot of small businesses that operate as cash only businesses, I think, are in the crosshairs of the IRS. So, and I mentioned this to Edward King on his program earlier this morning, that where you're going to see the IRS start going after and investigating, because the IRS estimates that there is somewhere around $15 billion a year that they're not getting, that they believe they're entitled to, all right? And I think where they're going to go to find a lot of that $15 billion is they're going to start going after small businesses, particularly in immigrant communities. And as I mentioned earlier, 
You can go into an area like the Alisal in Salinas, and there's lots of mom-and-pop businesses down there that don't take any plastic whatsoever. They only accept cash. And uh, for, for a variety of reasons, there are credit card fees that you pay for those types of transactions. And if you're selling items at a lower price than, say, a lot of stores because you have a lower income clientele, um, you, you figure, you know, you're going to be giving up what little profit margin you have. Some of it's going to end up going to the credit card companies for those transaction fees. So that oftentimes that's one of the reasons why um, a lot of small businesses in um, – in poorer communities tend to uh, be cash only. The other reason why a lot of businesses are cash only is because they can put that money right in their pocket. Some of it stays in the till and gets reported and a lot of it goes into the pocket. And I've, I've seen bu- people do that in business for years. Well, the IRS is coming after those folks too. You better believe it. Well, what, well, what about um, like if they, marijuana, all the states with marijuana, if they, there's got to be some leakage there as well. But I also wanted to say the CBO just revised their estimate and they say that they'll get, they think the increase in IRS agents will actually yield $20 billion less. So that, so the increase there, they've already decreased that. And uh, the, the other thing too, is that uh, they think $20 billion will come from people who uh, earn less than $400,000 a year. And you're right. I think it'll be the, the flower salesman by, Home Depot, possibly. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it how about be the guy selling some- oranges off the back of his truck on Blanco Road, mm-hmm. or the guy selling avocados out there on the one? <laughs> right. But I'm telling you, though, the the what? I mean, that's it's it's all it's all joke. It's funny, but it, I would love to get someone from the marijuana industry on to talk about federal tax compliance, and like I'm sure there's an illegal market there too, because there's got to be a certain amount of like people buying marijuana from. California, like they'll go into shops here and then they take that product to Utah, say where it's illegal and sell it there illegally. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's probably some, there's some revenue to be gained, uh, you know, right. with some of that, but I, uh, I do, I do agree. I think it's kind of foolish to, to increase, to, to somehow think that that's, that's good for the, the, uh, economy is to hound people for money. Yeah. Um, I went interestingly, uh, kind of somewhat tangentially, when we were when uh, Biden was defending the the ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars in in um, student loan repayments, someone you know someone asked him, "Hey, how is this fair when when you when you basically you know you're basically having people who didn't go to college or pay back their college loans pay the loans for people who are too irresponsible, quote unquote, to pay back their loans?" And Biden goes, "Well, what about all the tax breaks that?" Trump gave to people, and what does that and have it's kind to of a, do with anything? What a knuckle! I know it's a total, a total price in China. It's like so. So basically, what taxes are is you're taking money from someone and then redistributing it. And whether yeah. or not the whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing is an open debate. But you're taking money from people. Yeah. You make no bones yeah. about it. You're taking money from people, and so somehow that's the same thing. I'm going to take less from you is morally equivalent to I'll take more from you and give it to these people who have um, student loans. It, it just is a window into how his brain works. I right. I kind of do not understand yeah. a lot of what he says. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'll somebody see, made a good point that um, that a lot of people who went to trade school and paid for their right <laughs> that the real yes. problem the problem is people a lot of people with liberal arts degrees that can't find work 
to pay back those loans. It's not people who went to a technical school to learn to be an electrician or a plumber or some other type of of trade. Like somebody went to a trade school. Those people, you know, they're able to get gainful employment, good salaries, and pay their loans back. And they're being told, you need to subsidize these guys that are working as a barista at a coffee shop Uh, with $50,000 in student loans. Yeah, there, there's a there's some similarity in the, the other argument. I've heard. I've heard a ton of really good arguments against this. That's why I can't believe. I, th- I think it might be a Machiavellian plan because it'll get struck down the courts. But we can talk about that in a minute. But it, it with this, you, you think about it. <clears throat> the other other aspect is what are you saying to someone who wants to become an automobile repair person, or, or maybe someone who just wants to go and you know become a welder or something? Wants to go to a trade school? You're kind of tacitly saying that they're not worth as much in the world, you know, and I, I'm not sure it's a good message to be saying. And, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, you're just basically subsidizing overpriced college anyway. Right. But, and, and and the problem is, is I think it was Ben Stein once said, if you want more of anything, subsidize it. So uh, yeah. the problem with many of the student loan programs and, and with some of the rather generous loans that are given out is the colleges just ratchet up their tuition. So it's a never-ending arms race of in, of increasing the cost of going to school because the federal government is always standing back there to increase the size of the loans as the tuition goes up. Now, you wanted to say something about the constitutionality of what uh, uh, President Biden did, and, and what do you have to say about that? Well, I, what's interesting about it is like, so it's been said many times that this is the most that any executive branch has, has spent unilaterally. And 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 the, the Democrats, who I have a lot of sympathy uh, for this argument, is like they keep talking about like fascism and totalitarianism and all this other stuff. And you look at what the precursor to fascism is. I mean, historically, I mean, I'm not a historian, and I don't want to sound like I am some kind of genius on this subject. But typically, for fascism to work, you're going to have to centralize power. You know, you can't. You have to centralize it in all one place. So you have to have all the power. Like it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings. You got to have all the power in one spot. And and maybe Biden uh, is a benevolent dictator. But if you, the more you centralize power, all it takes is one election for a fascist to get elected, and then that person has all the power. Right. And it's almost like. And then he just uh, Biden just made a speech at some fundraiser calling Trumpians neo-fascist, and it's. Everything he is doing and everything pretty much the Democrats are doing, and you can, I mean, I'm not against Democrats in, in general, but the more you centralize power, the greater the risk of that is. So I, that nothing they say makes sense to me anymore. I mean, I I'm a, used to be a Democrat in the 90s, and, and I have a lot of sympathy for their social, um, you know, the, like the social kindness that they've shown over the years, but the way they govern is just awful. Like letting prisoners out of like these, the, the DAs like in Ch- Chase of Boudin or, or down in LA and all George these other Gascon, folks. I yes. George Gascon. Somehow I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some corruption in that recount audit uh, of the signatures because they knocked out a quarter of a million signatures with that. So he's not going to face a recall and in LA, who are they going to elect? They have the choice between like a, I guess he's kind of a Democrat, in Wolf's clothing on one hand and then Karen Bass in the other and she's <laughs> leading in the polls by like 15 points. It's, right, right. I just don't, I, I'm kind of apoplectic because I just don't, I feel out of touch and out of place in time because I, I don't 
see reality the same that most people do. And I understand I started, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because, like, well, I was talking to someone too yesterday about the Gavin Newsom recall. I can see where maybe he doesn't lose, but he got 62 or something percent of the vote. It's like, are there really 62% of the people think he's doing a good job? Apparently. It's almost, it's, almost it's as great as those uh, those elections that happen in those third world dictatorships where the, the, the dear leader wins by 99%, right? Well, yeah, yeah, because I, I was uh, funny. And again, with the California politics, it's like, um, you know, AB5, that was the basically Uber drivers are workers and truck drivers are workers. And the, you can't be a, a contractor if you're a hairstylist and all that stuff. It was basically who is an employee. And it was a way for the employers to have to provide employee rights to those people. Well, that person who got that passed was Lorena Garcia out of uh, – Oh, no, I'm sorry, Lorena Gonzalez out of uh, San Diego. And she won her last election for state. Uh, she was either state senate or uh, state congresswoman. She won her last election by getting like 87% of the vote, which is a full 10% more than Vladimir Putin gets. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and then she turned around and she resigned her post. And who did she go work for? Is like a labor, a labor uh, union um, of course. Yeah, uh, lobbyist. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, AB5 was put forth by labor unions like SEIU and, and some of the others. So no hey by the way the last thing on that on that pain of the college loans it's it's not a done deal because there are some real questions about whether or not that executive action is constitutional. So now we understand that I guess there are some of the organizations that are going to take this to the Supreme Court are looking for um, uh, plaintiffs. In the case, well, because well, you have to figure who has standing. That, yeah. That's difficult. Yeah, so they got to figure who's actually out. being damaged. By. Yeah. But that gets to the Machiavellian uh, kind of genius of the whole tactic. That I've also I'm just parroting arguments that I've heard, but they they have a lot of uh, purchase and meaning to me. Is that you think about it like if so? They're basically ba- bringing it on the back of uh, the Heroes Act or whatever of 2004. So they're saying, oh, because because of COVID we can do this because it gives the uh, secretary of education the right to forgive loans. But meanwhile, at the Southern border, they're saying COVID is no longer an issue. So we can let people come in with impunity now. So that those are two conflicting, there's two conflicting viewpoints. So it could be knocked down by the Supreme court. And if that were done, then this is the Machiavellian part. Basically it's a democratic fundraising point. Cause like, Hey, we tried to provide relief for student loans, but those evil Democrats, or the evil Republicans or the evil Supreme Court people wouldn't let it happen. And uh, that's why you need to give us more money so we can, you know, have more Sonia uh, Sotomayor's. And it's a turn out the vote um, idea for 2024, obviously, you know, you're, which is kind of, it is a, it's a great, it's a great argument. And I, I I, I really love it. That goes to like, even the, um, I don't want to get too political, but with this, uh, but a lot of the debates, people don't like, it seems like we evaluate them with our hearts instead of our heads a lot right, of times. Right. And, and it's like, I don't want people to be weighed down. Nobody, nobody wants people to be weighed down with, with, um, you know, uh, student loan debt or all these other things, but, but there has to be consequences. You make choices in life and you have outcomes and you can't totally, uh, you know, insulate people from this, this, the, um, but that seems the, what government, the, what is, their choices exist yeah. nowadays to do is to insulate yeah, people the, from bad choices. I mean, that's that's really yeah. what it seems that people in government see as part of their mission is to insulate the population from bad decisions. 
Well, you could take it locally. Like if we brought it to locally, like the guys who um, who started the Cannery Row Company, I, those guys made really good choices. And it's not like they ended up where they are because of some external force. I mean, there may be some external forces, but those guys were just smart. You know, they were just ambitious, smart, and hardworking. And if you're the same age as them and you're not as well off as them, it was just a difference in choices and difference in like what you wanted to do at the time. And maybe, God forbid we say this, maybe you have, maybe they have a greater capacity. Maybe they're, they just are better at that than you are. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, and, and people hate to mention that, but it's like, maybe those guys are just really good at business and they did a good, and they did a really good thing. And it's like, not everybody can be them. And that's, that's just what, what, what I think if you're being honest with yourself and you, you just have to accept that as a reality and right. trying to change that or trying to level the playing field or the outcomes is, is going to really lead to just unhappiness and anger yep. in, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. Hey, a couple other things to, to um, segue into here. Just looking at um, on the headline of the, uh, the Carmel Pinecone today, 10 arrests as car week crowds clash with cops. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I so read that. I we, read had a, we had a lot of, of really great events during car week and the city of Monterey or the Monterey police department had a running tote of, of how many cars that they stopped, how many citations they gave. And, uh, and what I would want to know is, of those citations for speeding, exhibitions of speed, can you break them down for us as far as what percentage of those are from what they call exotics or modern sports cars versus antique cars and classic cars? And this is just my own... <laughs> observation but you know where people get mad about car week there there are two things that upset the people that don't like car week they don't like the congestion and they don't like a lot of the noise and you know and the the way some of the drivers are but i i'd submit that when car week was primarily about classic cars and antiques you didn't have these problems that you have now (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna be an adamant agreement with you mark because you know i live near ocean avenue and and i i said this to my wife it's like how big of an idiot do you have to be? Like, I, 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 this is what I imagine happens. Someone makes a ton of money off Bitcoin. They go out and buy a McLaren. And then they come down to Ocean Avenue and decide to drive it at 80 miles an hour. It's like they kind of deserve what's going <laughs> right, <laughs> and coming right. to them. Because like, those things are so loud. And I understand it. I mean, you made a lot of money and you want to you wanna own a fast, awesome car. But there's a time and a place, baby. And uh, I, don't, I don't begrudge the police for uh, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah, whereas you're talking about it, like if you're – if you're driving a Studebaker or a St- you know some some ancient car, you probably can barely do the speed limit. So uh, right, and and most of those, <laughs> what you also notice is most of the people driving antiques and classics have gray hair. You know they're not they're not gray or white hair, so they're not out you know putting the pedal to the metal because they have to impress everybody with their car. Right. Whereas yeah. every time I saw a car pulled over. The you know, last week, it was an exotic or it was a modern sports car, and it was a younger male driving the car. I think I saw one car pulled over with a female driver, but and I get it, yeah. I get it. I mean, because I, we, both you and I were young and men, as as, I, as far as I know, Mark, and uh, we both, I'm sure, like to drive ridiculously fast. 
and I get it. I mean, but our cars guys, didn't go that. that, fast <laughs> didn't go that fast. And if they did, it wasn't it wasn't safe. Yeah, when they got up and to it, like sixty five, they were shaking. So it was like I better yeah, back it would, down. <laughs> well, usually, like my my F one fifty shook it at like fifty five, but if you could get it going sixty, it would stop shaking. So you had yeah. to kind of like work through that shaking zone. Right. But uh, but but they should. I mean, honestly, these guys should really be you know, on a track or yeah. something, but uh. well, I saw something interesting this year that I didn't see last year. Now last year and in, in previous years, <clears throat> city of Monterey, like basically almost every day of car week would have a motorcycle cop standing at the edge of the tunnel up on that raised curb, oh, the yeah, cars that are headed towards yeah. Canary Road and he's got a radar gun. And then in front of him over in, there's like a striped area, you know, an emergency uh-huh. area off to the side, right outside the tunnel. There was another cop, uh-huh. motorcycle cop, on a motorcycle pointed in that direction. So then when somebody would come barreling through over the speed limit, you know, I guess he turns around to him and says, yellow McLaren, 75 miles an hour, go get him, right? You know, and then <laughs> they take, I, I did not see that this year. I only saw one day. Or they were doing that? When there was one police officer, one motorcycle cop, with the radar gun, I think it was Friday afternoon, either Friday or Saturday afternoon, in the tunnel, and I never saw them the rest of the time, whereas last year they were there like every day, well, and they were pulling people over left and right coming through the tunnel. I, Mark, I'm going to take, uh, you know, as the owner of a staffing company, I'm going to take a, a surprising uh, position in saying I absolutely love Car Week. Tons of events, and I, I, I love like the cars a little. <laughs> I love it too, and I... And I would encourage everyone and next car week to uh, take it easy because you you, you don't want to lose this. This is a right. this is a signature event. I mean, we've already lost Feast of Lanterns. What more can we give people? Ooh. But uh, I know it's true. I'm uh, I just want to remind everybody you're listening <clears throat> to uh, What's the Plan Monterey on 101.1 FM and uh, 1460 AM. And I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals, Monterey County. Uh, Google us, and I'm talking to Mark Carbonero. It's a fun conversation, Mark. I don't know. It's a uh, I, I really do love living here and all that it entails, but uh, there's a couple things like uh, if 68 could be four lanes, that would, I think, help. But, you know, when who, okay, I want to talk about 68 and 156. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one thing that, that drives me up the wall as someone who has to go to Salinas in the afternoon sometimes is like if we care about the environment and we care about people who aren't as wealthy as the peninsula people, then we should absolutely put a four lane in there because those people have to sit. And I'm one of those people. And I just stop and go traffic every single afternoon. I'm surprised the, go- the rich people who live near uh, Corral de Tierra don't complain about it. But it's like, it's like, why can't we make that a four-lane road? You're, you know the history of this, yeah. but I'm sure that there's a way to get an easement there. It's just there was, it is unconscionable uh, that we can't make that a four-lane road. Yeah, and it's the cost of doing it, just as the cost of purchasing the land and, you know, for the right-of-way. And, and then with the modern roads, the problem is that you can't just widen it um, to two lanes, right? And like it is now, you oh, because people are going to want to go sixty-five miles an hour. So well, it's the, be a the, little bit wider. Yeah. The, the setbacks have to be a lot larger. So, mm-hmm. um, if you look at, if you go to TAMSI, the Transportation Agency for Monterey County, I think it's TAMSIMonterey.org, T-A-M-C Monterey.org. You can see. Nice. Um, a plan for Highway 68. Now, it doesn't show adding more lanes, but about adding roundabouts on 68. And it shows you what what they have to do and how much of the land on either side of the roadway that they have to take up to affect these kinds of changes. So if they had, as I understand it, the history on this, Paul, 
Mm-hmm. Back in the 60s, there was an idea that Spreckles Boulevard was going to yeah. run into Highway 101, and that was going to be a four-lane arterial road uh, with high-speed traffic from 101 to 68 and 68 to 101. That's why you have about a four-mile stretch or so of Highway 68 that has four lanes. Yeah. You know, when you get past Toro Park, right yep, in that yep. area? Okay. So yeah. that was the preliminary work that Caltrans built that as the preliminary work to making that throughway on Spreckles Road. Well, what happened was the, the very nascent environmentalism and a NIMBY crowd got word of this, you know, happening, and they went to one of our state senators, I believe it was Fred Farr, who was uh, behind Or Sam Farr. Sam Farr's father. Sam Farr's father, Fred Farr. And he and other local politicians went to Sacramento, and they they banged their shoes hard enough on the desk that they got it changed, and they, they were able to get Spreckles Boulevard removed as an arterial road going into Highway 101, and it became Blanco Road. They went another few miles up to Blanco yes. Road, okay? And and that's why that part of 68 has four lanes. But the original plan was that had they gone to Spreckles B- Boulevard, all of 68 from Monterey to Salinas would have been four lanes. Wow. Well, they, an alternative could be, well, I, w- I wouldn't support this because I absolutely love Fort Ord, is uh, there are existing roads in Fort Ord that go out towards Reservation Road near uh, the Marina Airport. And you probably could, like, you know, off General Jim Moore, mm-hmm. like how you get to the um, the parking lots at Laguna yep. Seca. Yep. I think there are roads that way, and that could relieve some of the pressure, but I, I don't like that because I do, I like to hike and yeah. mountain bike in Fort Ord, so I would I would prefer that there weren't, weren't a thru- thoroughfare through there. It would make more sense to make 68 uh, four lanes, but the, that was a good description of of why and so what you're basically saying is we have to wait another 10 or 15 years till the uh, power of the baby boomers is uh, sunsetted a little bit probably yeah hey last thing if we can mention here with a couple minutes left we have a serial ada plaintiff who is working monterey (laughs) county he's already targeted selena's shops um how many lawsuits did that guy do? This guy's filed. He's a wheelchair-bound disabled man who's filed more than 800 lawsuits alleging violations of disability access laws, taking aim at more than a dozen mom-and-pop shops in Salinas, and the peninsula could be his next target. Since July 5th, Orlando Garcia, with the help of a San Francisco law firm that prosecutors in two major cities have accused of shaking down businesses, has filed <laughs> 13 civil complaints in Monterey County Superior Court. Now... Go back That's almost awesome. twenty. You know what? You want to talk about a like if this is true? What a, what a perfect grift because oh, like you can't. Yeah. You're above reproach, well, right? I can tell you that almost twenty years ago, there was a man from Woodland Hills named Jared Molsky who was doing the same thing. He would drive up and down the state, specifically looking for small mom and pop businesses, and he would shake. He and his attorney from Oakland would shake them down, and typically for ten or twenty thousand dollars. Okay. And, uh, you, you know, if you'll, if you'll pay us this much and fix your bathroom, then uh, we'll go away and we won't file the lawsuit because otherwise the lawsuit would bankrupt these businesses. Well, it turns out that this guy, just like Orlando Garcia, filed hundreds of lawsuits. It went to court. 
And he was declared a vexatious litigant by a state, <laughs> state superior court judge. And that meant that he and his attorney could not file any more of these cases unless they were personally reviewed by this judge who would then ap approve okay yeah you can file this case you know so that stopped this guy but here's the here's the crazy thing about that whole case with jared molsky and his attorney his oakland attorney you'll love this the attorney had his offices on the fourth floor of a five-story building that he owned in oakland a rundown five-story building with no uh. elevator so there was no disabled access <laughs> to the offices of the attorney who awesome. filed all these cases, right? Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. Well, that's that's the beautiful honor. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the beautiful irony of it. But it, but the funny part is, is that guy can probably sleep at night because he thinks, well, I'm just being compensated for the good I'm doing to the community. So um, that's fantastic. I always love talking to you, Mark. Uh, this is more of a, a chit-chat show than an actual advertisement for my business, but I'm going to go ahead and advertise my business anyway. I am uh, Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. Give us a call today, 831-920-1857, or Google us, Express Employment, Monterey County. I'd like to thank Mark Carbonero, greatest producer in the business, and of course, David Marzetti, host of the Saturday Morning Shagbag Radio Show right here on 101.1, 104F. Um, and he's at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. I'll say those again. 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. Kind of mangled that, Mark. That's okay, Paul. Anyway. Have a great weekend. <laughs> we'll get it next week. All right. Take care, buddy. Let it get me down.